Pornhub. Pornhub. The Pornhub Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Pornhub Podcast. Today's guest is Aiden Starr. She is a porn star, a director, a producer, but also one of the most famous dominatrixes in the world. On first sight, you may not think she's all that intimidating. She's shorter than me, which is super, super rare. Uh, She's blonde, she's gorgeous, and has naturally humongous tits. However, the second she opens her mouth, she will ignite fear in you. I don't know what it is that is so intimidating about her, but when she tells me to do something, I do it. It's rumored that she once cut off a man's balls and keeps them in a jar in her bedroom. Uh, She's one of the first people I met when I got into porn. She was the assistant director on the movie Pure from Evil Angel, which I definitely consider to be my big break in porn. Um, much like the Lisa Ann interview, I think you can probably visibly or not visibly, but you can actually hear how nervous I was to interview her. Um, I'm definitely kind of a kiss ass when it comes to Aiden, but, um, I think we had a really good conversation, so I hope you enjoy. I know. I'm like so scared of you. (laughs) Don't worry about it. I'm old and tired now. I'm not, I was scary when I was younger, but I'm too fucking tired to be scary anymore. No, you're still scary. No, and I'm, I'm too I'm tired. I'm still like, my armpits are literally sweating. Um, <laughs> you sweat in your armpits. Whenever I get nervous, my the small on my back sweats. Really? Yeah, that's cool. my spot. Hmm. And it drips down my butt crack. <laughs> that's hot. <laughs> Into my butthole. All right. So, Aiden Starr. Yes. You are a director, porn star, dominatrix. Mm-hmm. You do production management. Mm-hmm. I've seen you um, also in as, as an assistant director mm-hmm. on one of the first movies I ever shot for David Aaron Clark. A long time ago. So you kind of do it all. Um, yeah. I mean, kind of. Production side, I do more so than performance side, I think. But I, I do have a pretty wide variety of activities that I do in porn production. I didn't realize you're doing more production than performing now. I am doing more production than performing now. Well, and that kind of happened by accident. Mm-hmm. Um, a few years ago, I was thinking about moving on from porn and going back to my career as a dominatrix mm-hmm. and moving to Chicago where the market's really good for me. Um, and uh, then John Stelliano asked me to be an Evil Angel director and I ended up getting deeper into the production side again. That's which also not a gig you turned down. So <laughs> I you did wasn't feeling like I would be a good fit for Evil Angel what? because I feel like my stuff is very out there. Yeah. And very niche. And then I would have to rein it in so much to work at a mainstream porn company. Like I worked at Kink for a long time. And Evil Angel and Kink, while they're like sometimes have the same fan base, it's not the same porn. BDSM porn and Gonzo porn, not the same thing. And so I told Christian Mann, I was like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm a right fit for evil. And Christian said, nobody says no to John. Right. Just try it. I, I mean, I will say like, you know, after being in porn for 12 years, I've seen people pine for that evil angel director position. Mm-hmm. And it's, it certainly is. I've never heard of anyone doing anything but jump how high. Right. <laughs> um, I just wanted to make sure I was going to give him what he was looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't want to take a job and then disappoint people. Yeah. If it's out, I feel like it's outside of my skill set. Do you feel like you have had to rein it in? Um, I, okay. So the way that I handle porn is that I will curate what my interests are. And so I will find it's the, this is the way that I make porn. Whoever is involved in the porn, I will find what their interests are and I will concentrate on that. So for this, it's a company. So I made the kind of porn that I like to make that's Evil Angel branded, Mm -hmm. which is gonzo porn that has trans girls in it. Mm -hmm. Because everybody knows it's not a secret that I've dated a lot of trans uh, women. Mm -hmm. Um, And... I felt like for me it was a good fit because they already had that brand established. Like Joey and Jay had made so much um, trans woman porn over the years that for me it was like easy to slide in there. Mm-hmm. Although I did try to make some girl girl porn, um, which did okay. And then I made some boy girl porn, which literally no one cared about probably because I care so much less about straight porn than I do about other kinds of pornography. Um, <laughs> so for me... That was the right fit. And then I made a bi porn at Evil. It went, it did crazy what well. What is bi porn? Like a cuckold? Okay. No. I made a bisexual porn where the men are having sex with each other and having sex with a woman, not cuckold. Just like dudes fucking each other. So many of us within porn want to make that kind of porn. Like whether, you know, me as a performer, I want to be in that kind of porn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find a lot of directors saying that doesn't sell. Okay. That, so what you're talking about there is that. In the last five years, porn has changed so much Mm -hmm. compared to, like I started in 99 Mm -hmm. in New York. And in the last just five years, porn, the landscape of porn has changed enormously. How so? um, With with relation to um, trans visibility Mm -hmm. and bi visibility has just gone up. Now, I'm sure that's five years. I feel like even in the last two years, even in the last two years. So in the last two years, the big difference is um, the testing and um, standard for um, chemical uh, pre-exposure prophylactic therapy prep has just has really become a standard in terms of how performers relate to each other. And that has changed how everyone is willing to interact with each other. So you think prep alone is the catalyst of this change? I think that prep and our um, testing standard, and maybe Generation Z, I'm now like privileged to interact with um, mm-hmm. a lot of performers who literally could be my children. Right. Literally. <laughs> yes. And not that I started early, you're my child, you're my fucking child. And so I'm at uh, the end of X, and then there's the millennials in the middle, and then there's Zs who are like the 18, 19s, and mm-hmm. they are just so fucking open-minded. They don't give a fuck. They don't give a fuck. We're so passe for even saying things like, interracial yes it's embarrassing it's embarrassing yeah so I want to get to their level I'm like yeah let's all fucking be on this level so it's it's a bunch of different things is why trans porn and bi porn has um gained visibility but it's great for me specifically because that's always like that's my jam yeah and so I don't have to do BDSM or domination every single time I can do just what I'm interested in doing and some of the things I'm interested in doing are trans porn and bi porn do you feel like as someone who has been in i guess like quote unquote into this genre for so long are you are you thrilled or are you a little bit spiteful fucking thrilled here's why okay because for me to make what i make the performers need to be able to live Mm -hmm. and they can't just live off of what i can give them Mm -hmm. they need a bench of directors to be able to live off what i can Mm -hmm, give them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but if they can live then they can be in my movies and they can afford how expensive it is to be a porn star because it's right. very People fucking don't realize. expensive. Yeah. It's very expensive. It's, I mean, even, you know, the obvious things that are like hair, makeup, nails, um, 
testing living in los angeles living in las vegas living in new york like living in a big fucking city yeah Mm -hmm. it's extremely expensive to do what we do Mm -hmm. and And to be freelance in general in freelance in general Mm -hmm. so it's really hard for them so for me it's great to have more visibility more companies that will hire them more companies that will pay their rate um and it's better for them to practice fucking being in a porno Mm -hmm. because if you have done 10 porns this year my kind of evil angel porns can be really fucking hard for you Mm -hmm. but if you've done 100 porns this year Mm -hmm. it's going to be much easier exactly (laughs) so for me i'm thrilled that more companies are shooting and are back to shooting it the production values have gone up um people are um the, the stigma around being bi or trans in porn has gone down. The respect for bi and trans performers mm-hmm. has gone up. So better trans porn is being made. Better bi porn is being made. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny Darko just made a trans porn oh, this year. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, I worked on it with him. I helped him um, book people and um, was on set to like kind of facilitate um, the difference in doing trans porn and do, uh, versus doing straight porn. Is there a difference? Absolutely. Okay. Um just because somebody has a penis doesn't mean they fuck like a man if they're not a man. Right. So uh, it's true. a huge difference. Right. Huge. Right. And so you have to like, you have Be to realize. Be in the mindset. Yeah. Dealing with trans women is just different. You can't ask them to fuck like men because they're not men. They're women. Right. And I would imagine you'd also have to, I mean, take your average cis man like Johnny Darko I would imagine you do need to kind of be educated before yes. being on a set. He is definitely not right no he's, you're right maybe he's a Darko, bad example even but Darko is awesome mm-hmm. he is so loving and so patient and so amazing um in so many ways and mm-hmm. so sophisticated that for him it was very easy to make the bridge mm-hmm. um whereas other people I feel like would who are not as confident in themselves as Darko is would be shitty about it he is wonderful mm-hmm. um so it's really easy for him for me it was a goal of mine um to work with Darko on a porn movie because this porn is so fucking good it's beautiful it's fucking beautiful and I feel like people um say a lot of derogatory things about trans porn Mm -hmm. and I feel like that a lot of producers of trans porn in the past have been satisfied with less Mm -hmm. because they see trans women as a lower class of women Mm -hmm. um than cisgendered women and I just I I, like the fucking pisses me off of course I think that they that trans women should be shot by the same people that shoot cis women of course and so it was a big deal to me when Darko did it because it was like a moment of equality um, in that genre that I feel like is a fucking really big deal. Yeah, no, for sure. And it just look it's the one of the most beautiful trans porns of I'm all sure. time. I'm sure I would never expect it's anything It's called trans less. glam. It's so beautiful. Uh-huh. It's so fucking beautiful. Yeah, everything he shoots is gorgeous. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, like he's... He's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. You know, and it makes me even think of like a lot of, a lot of guys openly buy guys in the porn industry, even like like you said, five years ago, six years ago, 10 years ago, you know, we're really shunned and it sucks. And, you know, a lot of people wouldn't shoot with them. Um, they, a lot of companies would not hire them. I wonder how they feel now to see this like revolution. Like, I wonder if it's, I don't know. I can only um, imagine. Like, I spoke they must to a be couple a little, of guys because there's also like, the... like, take a Wolf Hudson, for example. He's a perfect example. So Wolf Hudson is an out performer. Mm-hmm. Um, now, out performers are really happy that they're getting their day. Okay. Um, in performers, I'm sure, are stunned and feel, I think they're the ones who feel shunned and stunned and hurt. Mm-hmm. Like guys who did gay porn and then hid it mm-hmm. and changed their names mm-hmm. to and do straight porn. And then people found out. And then people found out and they shot on them for it. And now it, all of a sudden everyone's fucking doing, doing it, but they weren't like afforded that same privilege. Mm-hmm. It must be really difficult. Yeah. Um, 
I feel like really hurt, especially by when, when you see the specific people who are probably shitting on you five years ago to see them on social media, like capitalizing on it basically yep right especially yeah. directors and all fucking stoked about it yeah it, like acting all progressive and yep. you know making their money off of it there's basically. a lot of um like false righteous speak that goes mm-hmm. along with being like gay positive or trans positive mm-hmm. so it's definitely it being mainstream now it's definitely a double-edged sword in mm-hmm. terms of like how people feel about it socially mm-hmm. but i think that that's what happens when social progress Mm -hmm. like when there's social progress right that's the other end of it i guess is like we are all being educated now yeah and that's a good thing it is a good thing it's hard but it is a good thing yeah ultimately for in the bigger picture i I kind of want to touch on something you mentioned a little bit earlier is you were thinking of going back to your roots as a dominatrix Mm -hmm. when i met you i you were a dominatrix Mm -hmm. you are a dominatrix I, i i don't know that you ever stop because you are it's so no, integrated I, I still into do it for a living also oh, okay so that's what I wanted to ask is like were you my understanding is that you were a dominatrix first porn star second Correct. in the beginning of your career yes so how how did that happen um I this is a really long time ago now <laughs> I should have written all this down for sure <laughs> Did you um, used to walk a mile in the snow to the dungeon? <laughs> yes, uphill both ways. So I, okay, I started working, I'll just tell the whole story and then maybe I'll remember it. I started working in a dungeon when I was 19 years old, when I lived in New York in 1999. Which dungeon was it? Um, Just one of the ones in New York. There were okay, so many of them. is it still them. open? No. They were no, all no. on like 34th yeah. Street in that neighborhood. <laughs> They were all like on like the ninth floor of some business building. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there were so you I mean, you know, you were Yeah, I was at one. You were there, yeah. But we I'm were, no you. Like that's you were there. Well, you didn't stay, you know. No, I didn't stay. I wasn't good at it. I'm not what I'm what I mean to say is you're a real fucking dominatrix. I don't um, want to taint your thanks. thing by no, no, even. No, it's but but so many myself. people have, have passed through these places. Mm-hmm. And there were so many of them in New York at the end of the nineties was real. Mm-hmm. Like literally, I know people listening are gonna be like, No, there was a fucking dungeon on every corner in like mm-hmm. Midtown, Flatter, and Chelsea. Yep. So many. Mm-hmm. So that I think there were literally, I think there were three in the building that I worked in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was just so fucking many. So I worked at a dungeon and then um I was a, just a phone girl, and then I started doing um, oh. some sessions, and then I started performing. So at the point that you're a phone girl, were you already in the lifestyle? Yes. Okay. So at I 19? Started, yes. Well, I started playing with BDSM way before that. John loves to tell me that it's not normal for teenagers to be as interested in the things that I was interested in as early as I was, but that's kind of me. Normal, no. Probably right. not. Definitely. I mean, I didn't even know about those things. Oh, I... I what I was much younger than 19 right like too young to say on the Pornhub podcast that's what I AKA. just did yes <laughs> I interview people also I know what the fuck not to say yeah. I'm like don't say that um my my like my sexual development as a human being in like was centered around BDSM interesting yeah so you were interested in that before or at the same time that you were becoming a sexual being at all correct wow that's really rare it's very rare and yet from you, I completely believe that. I yeah. mean, you are so, to meet you is to know immediately. I, yeah, I right? think that most people know also, like, just from social media and, the, like, the prevalence of porn on the internet. I don't even mean that, though. Like, you you have a presence just in person. Like, you sure it's not just being a New Yorker? Because I feel like it's just a it's, New York thing. Aiden, I'm from New York. <laughs> believe me. I know, me. that's why I said that. 
<laughs> it's not that. It's uh, li- like I told you, like you are a scary person. Thank and you. you're tiny. That's the weird thing. I'm small, yeah. You're even shorter than me. Which I mean, I'm kind if, of, I'm, I'm chunky, tiny now, but like I'm f- small for sure. Yeah, you, like you wouldn't think such a tiny no, person could ignite such fear. But then you see the video and you're like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> Not even. Good <laughs> Lord. So I worked in this dungeon as a phone girl. Right. Because I didn't want to do sessions yet because I am also not that into men. And um, when I like, I mean, it was just too much sexual contact with men for me. And I'm just like, eh, I'm good. And then I started doing a couple of sessions here or there with like the um, the interest that I do have. And to be clear, like in these New York dungeons, mm-hmm. there, it's not that there was sex. There wasn't sex. But you had to watch the men jerk off. Yes. Which at 19 was too much it's sexual contact for me with it's men. It's a lot. And you're also like, and a strangers. lot of guys think... A lot of guys come in thinking they're at least going to get jerked off. Right. It, that's a huge no-no. Yes. Like there is definitely less sex in the dungeon than there is at a, even a strip club. Oh, yes. Much less. Absolutely. It's different. But it's it just, is a sexual job. It's a sexual job. People mm-hmm. are looking for something different than regular sex mm-hmm. stuff. So I did a couple of videos with other women that I knew already, and that seemed to be good for me. And then I started doing sessions in New York. And then kind of once I got it started, it was much easier for me to do so. And then I came to L.A., um, and had a dungeon here and then I had a smaller dungeon here and then I had a giant fucking dungeon here when I was way too young to be running a giant dungeon. And that's how I met porn people. Mm-hmm. Um, actually I knew a couple of porn women from New York. Because knew, they were in the lifestyle or no, like because they were using your studio? They were renting my studio to okay. shoot. So I met, um, people from Evil Angel and people from Jules Jordan. Mm-hmm. And that's how I kind of got acquainted with them. Um, I met Joey Silvera, who I had no idea who he was, but I had a, a big domination website. Um, and I came out of my um, session room and he was like shooting a porn in one of the other rooms. And he said, oh my God, it's you. And I was like, okay. Um, so he had known like about my domination porn and like he had already kind of knew about me from watching my stuff on the internet because evil angel directors or notorious porn watchers were like super fucking sniffers mm-hmm. for that. They're show. all perverts. We're all perverts. Mm-hmm. So... I kind of got to know him a little bit and then David Aaron Clark of course and then David and I became really good friends and through him I met some performers who worked for him like Mr. Marcus and Brian Sherwood and I was like oh this is what male porn stars are like I thought that they were this like beefy snotty bitchy fucking you know oh I super macho and really that's like it's the opposite (laughs) male porn stars are like women with a giant penis (laughs) They are like the most like soulful, soft, sweet, sensitive, sensitive to a fault human beings <laughs> in the world. The male machismo lies in the women who shoot porn, mm-hmm. not in the men. So mm, I didn't that's realize really that. Interesting, it's, but it's true though. It's so true. Um, I didn't realize that, and then I kind of got into shooting some boy girl here and there, and then I moved away from owning a dungeon. Um, because I wanted to take a break and I actually worked in mainstream um, in reality TV for a little while because I just needed a fucking break from sex work as you do Mm -hmm. and then um, I started shooting porn and Joey was one of the first people that I reached out to because I was like you get me we've had conversations and um, I'm glossing over producing for David I I also produced for David Aaron Clark in these years but that that happened um, while he was renting for me and then I started shooting performing um, for Evil Mm -hmm. almost first actually Jake Malone and um, 
Joey Silvera mm-hmm. shot me so much like all the time and one of the first movies that I did for Joey Silvera was actually with a trans woman mm-hmm. and he asked me if I would shoot with a trans woman and I was like uh, why wouldn't I shoot with a trans woman because I didn't understand right I had no idea like and you have to understand that back then it, it was People not, did not like do now that. no yeah. if you were a straight performer you, you did not strictly, fuck trans girls you fucked cis men and correct. that's it correct yeah and, and Sometimes, girls but you didn't you didn't you didn't like fucking the girls. Right. You just did right. it. Because you were supposed to. And you certainly didn't do anal. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it was like just a different, it was a different time. Mm-hmm. But that was nice because it kind of got me acquainted with that, like how porn worked slowly. Mm-hmm. And I was with a couple of other agents that like didn't super work out for me. And then I ended up with Spiegler. Mm-hmm. And... Which is so weird to me that you weren't a Spiegler girl from the beginning because I literally cannot imagine you with another Asian. It didn't work. Like you're such a Spiegler girl. Like you're kinky, you're perverted, you're smart. I also think we all have strong personalities. Yeah. And I think, I feel like my personality was a little too strong for other agencies. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mark really encourages women to have Mm -hmm. strong personalities in ways that other agents do not. They kind of want you to tamper your personality. Um, And Mark really encourages it. So yeah, I, and I've been with Mark now for like 13 years <laughs> it's some crazy amount of time I think it might be longer because I've been in, if I've been in 12 years and you were a well-established Spiegler girl by then how long has Dana been in Dana's been in I I want to say Dana's been with Spiegler maybe like 13 years so Dana was three months before me okay 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 so maybe it was okay mm. for some reason Dana I thought was three you months were there me. longer Dana was three months before me um yeah it's just this crazy amount of time we're both also 40 years old where I, I somebody said give me your bio the other day and I'm like put 40 year old speak their girl on the end of it because people who know will, will know that's, that that's just hilarious <laughs> and it's just I'm not I don't know like I'm like I joke with him I'm like maybe Dana and I will die to make room on the roster for other people but I'm like no forget it we're just we keep we're still doing this so that uh Spiegler huge chunk of so, years so so when you came back to shooting porn or when you started really going gung-ho on the performing you were doing more than just fetish work yeah i just did whatever he booked me for just and a I just regular up, porn yeah. star i just showed up for shit um fucked and then left do you enjoy doing regular scenes um in my 20s i did okay yeah now i'm 40 and i'm like get off me <laughs> get off me child like yeah I, I understand I mean, that with age think, you really just only want to do the things you want to do well but I also I think that, that like you said like I'm scary and like dudes work for me mm-hmm. so when they go to fuck me they're like I can't they literally probably can't get hard well it's not that it's just they're like <laughs> like they can't even look at me because they're like you're you tell me what to do and when I'm in scenes with men that I direct all the time I, like I'll say something I'll give the woman an order and like the dude does it because they're, they're like in my head you're like the voice because you direct me they're like so when you say something I just go and do it because I'm know, so used to doing it Joanna like, no, Angel says that. the same exact thing that it's That's really cute. hard she's like I just want to get fucked <laughs> she's like stop respecting me just fuck me <laughs> I don't really want to get fucked I want you to lay down and pretend that you're a corpse so that I can ride you and just get off and leave so I think yeah we have different problems a little different same same but different right yeah we have different problems I'm like don't try to throw me around I'm gonna look at you like "Mm -mm." (laughs) mm-mm but do you ever so did you ever get booked as like the sub no I don't do that okay oh that's like literally on your no list yes that's on my no list I've done that like a really long time ago oh um but 
I, when I got with Mark, I was like, I don't sub. I just don't. I'm not about it. Yeah. And that was like in my 20s, my mid 20s that I had already known, like, don't fucking book me for that. It's not going to fucking work out. I'm a dominatrix. Like, I learned how to be a dominatrix in a dungeon. I'm super fucking good at it. So if somebody wants something really complicated or hard done, I can do it for you. Right. Without pissing off the girl because I'm not going to fuck them poorly. I'm going to do a good job. So you right. can let people know that. And Mark loves this idea. Yeah. He loves that idea. So forever I just did a lot of domination porn because Mark was like, oh, you want a dominatrix? Use Aiden. You want this? Use Aiden. So that's how I ended up making that transition is he's so great at letting people know what it is that his girls are good for. And he's so honest about that too. He's so like honest. you try to book a girl from Spiegler at something she's not good at, he, he will just tell tells you. you. Yeah. Yeah. Which not... is better because don't fucking lie to me or disappoint me because mm-hmm. that's how I lose respect for you. Right. Which is why he's so highly respected. I think there's also something really cool about like, I actually appreciate even, even when, you know, once in a while you'll meet a porn star that doesn't do lesbian porn, mm-hmm. which is pretty rare. Most, I would say most performers in porn do lesbian porn. Mm-hmm. But I, I really appreciate when someone's like, you know what? I don't like chicks. Just not into it. I think that's awesome. I think it's awesome. Because at the end of the day, I don't really want to fuck a girl that's not into chicks either. Yeah. Like, I think it's better to just gross. be honest about what it is that you're looking totally. for. Totally. And I think that's another thing that's coming with this new wave of like Gen Z, right? It's like people are more sexually confident in saying what they like and don't like. How do you think they got like that? Because a lot of them tell me they watched porn from an age that makes me really uncomfortable. <laughs> and I'm like, you. <laughs> and they're like, I've liked you since I was insert age here. And I'm just like, bah, thank you for Same. ruining it for me. I know. But Same. do you think that like them actually being exposed to people like you and I and like our sexual confidence has actually instilled them more confidence? I because think so. Because I feel like these girls at 19 are way more confident than I was at 19. Way, 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 way more. Way more open and like accepting of themselves and interested in fucking strangers. Yeah. Now I'm like a huge whore and through my 30s. I think a lot of it is in my 30s. But okay, like I think we also grew up with a lot more shame around sexuality, right? Just in general. Do they not have it as much? I think so. And I think it is because of the internet. I think it is because of us. Or maybe their parents (sighs) are our age. Oh, fuck. One girl was like describing like the stuff that her mom has. Like the bands that she likes and the clothes that she wears. And I was like, I have all that at home. And then I was like, how old is your mom? She told me. And I was like, that's your mom. That's okay. why. That's why. <laughs> we have all the same pop culture references. I also like when I shake, like if I meet someone's mom and I shake their hand and I turn her hand over and it's got the same wear and tear as me. <laughs> and I'm like, we're the same age. Because you know you can tell by the hands. Yeah. We're the same age. I'm like, hmm gross it is weird i mean i remember i remember when we started to fuck people born in 2000 not that long ago like a couple years ago i graduated high school um i don't want to say what year it was before 2000 (laughs) so i'm like it's weird it's very very weird it's weird but also good for them that they are more socially evolved than we were at their age for sure I'm happy that they are more accepting of themselves. They certainly seem more confident in like their like ownership of their bodies mm-hmm. and ownership of their time and their boundaries and when their it comes self-worth. to anything, yeah, consent. It's really yes, they're a lot it's more really educated nice. than we were. Yeah, sure. they are a lot more educated than we were. So that those are the pros. I think there's there's also cons. I, I do think we need to be a little bit better about sex ed. Like we do need to teach kids that a gangbang is not necessarily something your average woman is looking for every for. Tuesday yeah you know uh anal does require preparation you know it, I mean what is like what's the what's the appropriate amount of conversation and education and, and where who, does it happen and right? where does it happen is it 
um, the government's job? Is it school's job? Is it parents' job? Like, should there be restrictions? Should there be conversation? Like, what what should that include? Should that include monogamy? Should that include polygamy? Like, what? I think ultimately, yes. All the things. Asa and I are creating the new curriculum in case <laughs> yeah. anyone who works for uh, the Board, board of, of Ed. Is, yeah. <laughs> We're working on it. We're, we're doing your jobs for you. you. We'll bill you. I think ideally it would happen in the schools. But at this point in so time, I don't know that I trust the schools to be teaching the right thing. I don't Why? know that there's enough of a separation between church and state, all mm-hmm. that. Um, I, I, I just don't trust them. So I think for now, I think it's up to personally, I think it's up to me to do it at home a mm-hmm. little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That's a hard fucking question. Do you want to know my mom's explanation for venereal disease? Yes. It's so good. It's so my mom is Sicilian and she's a New Yorker and already great. Yeah. She's just, she's my nickname for her is the black widow. So she one day is driving her car. My brother and I in the backseat cause we're not allowed to fucking ride in the front. So it's just her in the front and we're ta- we're like tweens. Mm hmm curious about education mm-hmm. as all kids are, are curious about education yes so my mom looks at us in the rearview mirror and she says oh all right well you want to know about venereal disease and we're both like what <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes what happens when you put a dirty pickle in the water and i'm like the water gets dirty. She goes, right. She looks at my brother. She goes, what happens when you put a pickle in dirty water? My brother's like, what the fuck? So I'm like, the, the pickle gets dirty. It's the pickle part. And he was like, the pickle gets dirty? She goes, yep, and keeps driving. And that I was mean, the amount of conversation she wants to have with me about sex. That was it. On one hand, it's very clear. It's also very funny. It's very funny. And I mean, like, I get it. I mean, talk about explain to me like I'm five, right? Like that's, does it get more clear than that? I Not really. It was funny. <laughs> My mom also weaponizes sex. I think a lot of women do in that generation, no? Yes. Even our generation. I mean, like in like mainstream television and stuff. It's, I think it's definitely I think very all, like. I think weaponizing sex is a great tradition of, of, the female gender i mean i guess we are weaponizing sex my mom takes it to a fucking art form <laughs> it is a fucking art form is that where house. you got your dominatrix way i'm sure is your I mom learned, a little dummy uh not a little oh very yeah my mom is super mean <laughs> she's a very mean person interesting i love her yeah but, but she's, she's a new mean. york mom she's a new york mom new york italian new york italian moms new york asian moms new york uh jewish moms yeah. new york hispanic moms they're loud. Alphas. They're alphas. Yeah. Yeah. My mom is an alpha for sure. New York is full of passive men. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I mean, at least the ones that we know, you know what I mean? I'm sure mm-hmm. there are some kind of dominant men in New York, but I'm not, I wasn't exposed to any of them growing up. Me neither. And you know, I was just talking to my friend the other day and I also grew up in New York. Growing up, I didn't know anyone, get this, whose father had a normal job. Everyone I know, their our moms went to work and our dads were kind of like, artists or like really yeah my mom um was an art teacher and then she worked in retail because she hates children and Mm -hmm. she was like a um like a k through 12 art teacher but she's she hates children she hates people she'll admit all this i'm not talking shit and my dad 
um, is uh, like a horticulturist. So yeah, more artsy. <laughs> He's more artsy for sure. Say no more. He's more artsy for sure. My dad and I have conversations about like what kind of trees grow in like the same kind of soil. And my mom and I talk about like um, who she wants to murder. Yeah. So it's been ingrained in you like from a very early age to be this like strong alpha woman yeah I mean I guess so I like do you find that there is some kind of like is there a pattern or like a a common theme in women who tend to be dominant here's the thing that's interesting um all the women that I'm very close to um have moms that are kind of mean yeah that's just how I pack um, and a lot of the, those women are submissive, but they have very strong personalities, but they do tend to be for me to be sexually submissive because they're the kind of women that I've had sex with often, mm-hmm. but they have moms that say shit that you're like, whoa, whoa, just like edgy, like no control over their fucking mouth. Me too. I and, think, and, and for me, it's men and women. Really? Yeah. Like, like everyone mean around moms. me has kind of a mean mom. Yeah. My mom is great. And we certainly get along really well now mm-hmm. and we're really close to no, each no, other. No, no, That's not to say like she, they're not great moms. Yeah. It's just like, you know. She's a meanie. Yeah. It's the shit that flies out of her mouth sometimes. It's like shocking. I, I find that to be, so like when I was a dominatrix and I think, okay, this is probably because I'm, as you know, I'm naturally more, a little more sub. Yes. I'm not very dominant at all. Um, the hardest part of being a dominatrix for me was finding shit to say. Yeah. Like, did you channel your mom? I didn't. I was on drugs, to be honest. Um, So it was very easy for me. Like, like when I was high, I'd be like, the more domination stuff I do, the less substances I want to do. They don't. It is your drug. Yeah. But that's probably because it's the real you. Yeah. See, for me, I was playing a role. Got it. Like, I am not dominant at all. Like, it, it it's pure acting. Got to it. the point where when I do porn, I don't take dommy roles because I just, like... You're not about well, it. Well, one, I'm sober now. So, like, it's, you know, I, I don't have it in me. You can't do it. <laughs> I don't have the that words. That makes a lot of sense. Like, it doesn't... I, I literally need to be given a line and to say it. Like, I just don't know what to say. Yeah. I'm like, what would a person say in this scenario? Not me. I don't know how to shut the fuck up in those scenes. <laughs> it's like all I do is the, 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 so so your are all your personal relationships like are you are they like sexually speaking are you're always the dom um no so okay well sexually yes okay um not uh like in day to day you're not Mm-mm. I don't do so that power dynamic doesn't carry over uh-uh. interesting I don't like I totally it. I've tried to date um 24 7 submissives they need too much fucking attention i feel like i've seen you with very subby type men oh yeah yeah um like yeah. like because I think on paper it's like exactly what like it sounds so perfect on right. paper and then in um practice it's easier for me to date somebody with a really strong personality who's very sexually submissive that's how much do you easier switch that off or is that like a dumb question um it's just we're only we only do that in bed and then every it's day simple it's as like that. yeah because anything else to me is a little dysfunctional because mm-hmm. I'd prefer to have an equal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that I can't have relationships that are mistress-slave relationships where there's that DS dynamic and it happens all the time. I just can't have that as my primary relationship. Right. Like you kind of um, com- compartmentalize that. 
as like that's yeah, what that separate. relationship is. Correct. It's but separate. like say like the person your 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 primary relationship is just not. Yes, my I like dating um top uh top preferential versatile people. <laughs> not to be specific. <laughs> it's my type. <laughs> That's such a specific type. Oh, it gets worse. So I um, I like dating people who are very fucking controlling, who have huge fucking personalities, who for whatever reason decide that they're submissive to me, but they don't want to fucking sub to a lot of other people. So to me, it's kind of special. Because you've earned it. Or there's something about me that fucking brings that out in them, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, what feels more special than that? Than right? topping a top, nothing. Yeah, I mean, I I can't. Which is terrible, I'm sure to it's, say, but like to me, it's special. And I like it's topping. The ultimate conquering. It's the ultimate conquering. I like topping with other people that I'm fucking sexual with. Oh, interesting. Like, topping other like three like a third person together. That to me, like double to- double doming is um is really great. I can have really close emotional relationships with um straight men and then we fuck other women together and we don't necessarily fuck because we're both tops but we can like have sex with other like other women who are submissive together right i can do that kind of situation it's very specific and it took me a long time have you ever been like really in love with someone and then you were their sub Mm -mm. so like you are not what's the word like versatile i'm non-versatile correct you're non i'm non-versatile i'm top only wow i've tried yeah you know no I believe you I just like yeah well also you know how much money I would fucking have (laughs) if I like really like to get my tits tied up and 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 I'd be fucking loaded (laughs) for any because this is an audio only podcast you are a very tiny blonde yeah with huge and I mean huge natural tits they're really people don't even believe that they're they're really fucking fat now but like even when I was younger they were still really big tits and I feel like if I liked to get beaten or have my tits tied up and could crawl around and like lick up fucking pee off the floor and take orders millionaire yeah. I'd be a f- and if I were fucking that into men, I mean, I wouldn't have fucking married just any fucking sugar daddy. I would have found the richest computer programmer I could. You know what I mean? Because you're you. I, yeah. And I would have lived in the biggest gold cage that they fucking make, but I just can't do it, which sucks. I could be lazy and I could just have a cat farm. Right. Now I'm talking myself into this. You're like, wait a second. I have a cat farm and get fucked in the ass. Are you interested ever or have you ever dated someone who's... um? who doesn't identify as, I guess, kinky? Like, yes. what if someone were completely neutral, like just a total normie? Yeah, it Does that work for you? No. 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 I've tried. Yeah. It doesn't go well. You're so lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. I need it all the time. And I also, like, can't date straight men. Like, if you're not going to let me fuck you in the ass, it's not going to happen. Really? Yeah. That's, like, a, a requirement. Yeah. Wow. I can't do it That's so cool. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I've tried. <laughs> I have tried. It just doesn't fucking work. It just can't, goes down can't in flames. Can't blame a girl for not trying. It goes down in flames. Wow. You know, at 40, I've tried to date many fucking straight cisgendered men, and it just, like, doesn't fucking work. What do you think it is that, like, makes someone inclined to be submissive or dominant? Um, I mean, that's a question of nature versus nurture. Like, some of it, I'm sure, is in our genetic code, and some of it's in the way that we are socialized. So you think some of it is nature? Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's like being gay or straight. Like, some of it's like just who you are. Like, it's a sexual orientation. Yeah, like born this way. And you feel that you are. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. I mean, I, I can see that. For sure. I mean, you, it's... Your, your whole presence is so demanding. <laughs> 
and that sounded horrible but i i mean that in the most like with so much respect like yeah. you're you command a respect thanks yeah i mean it makes it easier to be a porn director also mm-hmm. oh yeah for sure especially because i i find that doms and porn directors both have this quality good ones anyway that you really want them to like you yeah and you kind of can't help but kiss their ass yeah <laughs> it's that like it's definitely that i people pleasers love me mm-hmm. um because they're very validated like it's extra like it's an extra biscuit for them when i validate them personally like um, I, I won this one. Like yes. I, I did such a good job. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. like very, very validating for them. Which is funny enough, like why I think that the like the men who I can direct who enjoy being directed by me do that because they are people pleasers at their core and like my validation is extra for them because they respect me so much. And I find that porn men are like that often. Actually. They're like that often. Even if they're not sub submissive necessarily, they like want sexually. Yeah. They yeah. especially female validation. Yes. They I have crave this theory. It. Like a lot of them have you know obviously i hate to generalize i've found that a lot of male porn perform male porn performers are have very strange relationships with their mothers boom i was just gonna say mama's boys yeah yeah in like the weirdest ways and everyone's different but they're all looking for that female validation Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i bet they kill it for you um yeah and and I think that they really get something out of working for me that they don't get out of working for a man. Mm -hmm. Like they get my approval Mm -hmm. and they are so like, you can see the looks in their faces of like just how happy and satisfied and fulfilled they are. Mm -hmm. When I say, Hey, that looked really good. Thank Mm -hmm. you. You did a really good job. It's like extra. I so believe that it's extra. It's interesting. Like how much of that, like I think that a lot of people think that porn is just human beings fucking each other Mm -hmm. or no, they think that porn is porn stars fucking each other and they forget that we're human beings fucking each other Mm -hmm. that we're like complex and we're emotional and there's a lot of psychology behind what we do um and i think for a lot of people to enjoy porn they tend to disconnect like our bodies from our minds which i'm not really sure why you have Mm -hmm. to do that but i think they've also been trained to just like oh just don't think of it that person as a person Mm -hmm. like just they're your fantasy object and they're for your use when really I think they would enjoy it more if they heard about like everything that goes on in our heads. And And then it also goes as far as like, I I find that in in a lot of interviews that I do, like outside of porn, Mm -hmm. people have this narrative of porn stars in their mind already that we disconnect when we are shooting. Yeah. When, and and perhaps that is true for a lot of people, but I, I find that like most of the people I'm friends with very much bring their emotional shit to work. Absolutely. Like, and, you know, I, I think a lot of us do fall in love a little bit on set. And we are we are making very strong connections. Maybe it's just for 30 minutes. But it's still a strong connection. Yeah. Yeah, it's much... I also think that we are wired differently than most people mm. um, to be able to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then switch it off. And then switch it off. Yeah. And other people just can't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. also um, like watching other people have sex and mm-hmm. we enjoy sex with different people more and being often watched. and being watched more often than other people do for sure yeah we're just we're human we're just a, a different, different kind of human yeah for sure were you a really bossy kid um i was really really quiet and shy and then um the world kind of and many other things toughened me up mm-hmm um, and then I think I did become very bossy. And, and I think that's specifically because I am inherently a an overly logical person. Mm-hmm. 
and things that are that are illogical really irritate me less so now they used to way more so i used to get really spun and so i was like let's just cut through this bullshit and go for the logic (laughs) um and so i think that for me that was me being like direct Mm -hmm. and it definitely comes across as bossy for sure Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i also when i was younger um was very interested in um social power dynamics um and like just weaponizing social interaction in general Mm -hmm. and how people responded to um you know impetus like um like you as a woman or or both girl both i guess back then but for sure both like like you understood from a young age that as a as what, a person what social power was right and i think that social power for me is at the core of how domination works it's not necessarily um sexual like who was it that said um uh everything is about sex except for power or maybe it's another something else maybe i just said this let me make this up <laughs> everything about the, it, everything in the world is about sex except for um uh except for sex sex is about power interesting and so for me power and control has always been um, at the core of, I don't know, most things that I do. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like being not in control of stuff. I'm not yeah. super good at it. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I go to a lot of therapy you and learn liking. how to do that. <laughs> so much therapy. I'm out about being in so much therapy. I'm in so much I therapy. love therapy. I need to have therapy, therapy or like, I just feel like I would turn into a fucking shitty monster. It's also like a massage for like your insides. You know what I mean? It's it just, is. it's, I love like crying in therapy. When yeah. I cry in therapy, I'm like, oh, I got my money's worth. <laughs> like, it just feels so good. And then when I don't cry, I'm like, eh, it was all right. It was all right. <laughs> you know, maybe next one will be I better. I go to one-on-one therapy and I go to group therapy. Group therapy? Mm-hmm. Like with? Other women. Oh, interesting. Yes what's that like um I feel like it's interesting to see how I connect to other women who are not sex workers and then how I disconnect from women who are not sex workers like it's very palpable palpable for me and for them and also they're not slutty and I'm fucking super slutty and I'm like yeah touch every fucking dick you want yeah 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 you want to touch a dick touch a fucking dick is it almost like relationship therapy but the relationship is just like you and a bunch of other women yeah kind of because I I also do one-on-one therapy and then I'm also in couples therapy with my husband Mm -hmm. and I fucking love it because it's it's almost like another form of one-on-one therapy because it's just that all these issues come up within the relationship that teach me about myself right I really, and I would imagine so is group therapy it, that's it's that and like I really you're triggered by certain want to be in couples therapy with my partner but I don't know it's like it's hard to organize that and for hard sure to get somebody else to like want to go a thousand without see so for me and my husband, we started couples therapy pretty much as soon as we started dating. <laughs> and it's because, my, stop laughing. It's because That's my, funny. it's because my therapist was like, listen, next time you're in like a serious relationship, you might want to consider couples therapy because the same issues come up 
it's a pattern for me. All the same things come up in every relationship I've ever been in. Sure. You know? So it sure, was because easy. the common denominator is you. Right, exactly. Same exactly. Here. Same They're here. the variable. Right. Um, and so for me, it was very easy to, in the beginning of our relationship, to be like, hey, I think this is going somewhere. Do you mind if we do some couple therapy? And what did your husband say? Uh, he was totally down for okay. it. Um, also, I caught him, you know, in like the in love stage with all the hormones and the, the dopamine. Where someone will do anything for <laughs> yes, you? Yes. So that's really smart, Asa. (laughs) Thank you. Uh, See the validation. That's really smart. Um, It is, though. But I can see how it would be very hard a few years into a relationship being like, hey, there's nothing wrong with us. Want to do some couples therapy? We have massive issues. (laughs) That takes a lot to admit. We have massive issues. I have massive issues. He has massive issues. We had massive issues as a couple, and we're working on it now. Right. And he sees a therapist also. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and I just would love for us to go together. I don't know that we're there yet. I just got him to start seeing a therapist. Okay. Um, he loves it. Okay. So he, see, now that he's already in a space where he loves therapy, he knows that it's he'll good. be down. Yes. Yeah. That's what I think. That's also. the, that's the major step is making someone see. Cause I was like that for a long time. I was like, I don't need a therapist. I'm fine. Like my friends are my therapy, which is, you know, the dumbest thing ever. I started seeing a therapist after David died. Okay. Um, because I wanted to kill myself. Oh. Because I was so distraught when he died. Yeah. Um, and you were there. Yes. That- I was. I was mm-hmm. in the hospital when he died yeah. and I watched him die and it yeah. was really horrible. Yeah. Um, and that definitely, if you see someone die, it doesn't really matter like who you are, who they are, what you do. Like it can be very... Much less one of your best friends in the hard, whole world. Yeah, hard for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started seeing a therapist then, like in 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw him for a long time and then I stopped for a couple of years and then I realized that I have I have massive anxiety sometimes. So I started seeing him again and now my anxiety is like all but cleared up. It's really fucking great. And yeah. hopefully that has something to do with how fat that I've gotten because I like to think that this is worth something. <laughs> but probably it all went to your tits. Just shut up. I know that's like, real. It's probably also my therapist that he's fucking amazing. Yeah. 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 But shout out to our therapist. Shout out to our therapist. They're fucking great. I mean, we're New Yorkers. What do you think we were going to do? <laughs> Every New Yorker is a fucking therapist. Yeah, it, it, it is. We're so New true. Yorkers and we live in LA. That's just like a therapist all yeah. over. It's true. I mean, I mean, it. yes. It's what we that do. That is absolutely fucking true. So I heard a rumor about you. Oh, God. This just is a rumor it. I've heard for many, many years. From Spiegler. I obviously, I was never going to ask you, but now that like I have you on a podcast, I feel like Go a little bit of power. Go ahead, just do it. <laughs> um, is it true? <laughs> I feel so shy now. Is it true that you um, cut a guy's balls off and you have them in your house? That's ridiculous. So, Andrew, I, that's ridiculous that I cut a guy's balls off and I have them in my house. One time, I cut open one guy's scrotal sack and I took one of his balls and I had it in a jar of formaldehyde in my dungeon for a couple of years. But I don't still have it. What? So it's true. No, I don't have someone's balls in a jar in my house. For a little while, I had one ball in a jar in my dungeon in formaldehyde. Oh, my God. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, totally different. I don't have, a, I don't have balls in my house. Who has so balls in their house? You know what I do have in my house? I have the tip of my best friend's thumb in my house because she accidentally cut it off once and she gave it to me in a jar. That's still, romantic. Thank you. I still have that. Okay. Also, she went on vacation without totally me. Totally different story, and though. And I feel like that, that fucking accident. bitch deserved that shit because she left. <laughs> she went somewhere without me. Wait, hold on. But hold on. Where okay. is that ball now? I buried it. 
okay. want to close the dungeon oh like ceremonious ceremoniously yes oh my god that's and this was a client mm-hmm. and he asked for it or you he asked for it i wouldn't suggest something like that it's not my personality is it not? Um, no. And also, I would like to say that when he came to see me, some other girl before me had taken his entire penis. And when she did that, she dumped him in a fucking emergency room after that, and he wouldn't tell me who it was. Because apparently what? I knew her, and still to this day, I don't know who it was. Whoa, that's really scary. Yeah. That must okay. really piss you off, like irresponsible doming. Um, He was a goader. Well, I don't know what that means. He was like goading people into doing like bad things to him for attention. He was a very manipulative bottom. Okay. So I don't entirely hold her responsible for it. He definitely was in control of that situation. The idea that subs aren't in control of the situation is false. Right. They are very much in control of what fucking happens. Right. They're not victims. Nope. And if they are. They're topping from the bottom. They're topping from the bottom. And if they like manipulate you into doing something, you need to have the boundaries to say, yes, I'm interested in that. Here's how we're going to do it safely. Or no, I'm not doing that to you. It's unsafe or I don't want to. I can see that because I actually, I was just with Dana earlier today and we were talking about this is like, she has a great amount of experience in this. Right. And like subs are actually so, so demanding and desperate and time consuming. Mm. Very time consuming. Like they, I don't know what it is, but they just want more and more and more yeah. and more. This That wasn't all that I did with that guy. Like I pulled blood out of him and made paintings like with a hypodermic needle and his blood and I had them in my dungeon. Like I was very close to this you person. You say this like it's the most normal thing. I know. But I guess for you it is. For me it is. Have you ha- Have you ever been asked to do something and you said no? Yeah, I'm trying to think of what like off the top of my head. It happens all the time. Oh. Where people are like, hey, will you do this in a session or will you do that? And I'm like, no, I'm not interested. Just because you don't want to. Oh, um, I know. Like I see this cuckold guy and he wants to lick come off my tits. And I'm like, I'm not interested in you licking my tits. So no. Okay. Not the kind of answer I was expecting, but I understand. That's so... Oh, you oh, a lot of these questions extreme. I have for you are like, it's so fucking obvious There's and not simple a lot of that I'm extreme like, shit that I don't want to do. <laughs> It's the straight people shit that I don't want to do. <laughs> right. It's the licking your tits that you don't want to do. <laughs> but I um, I have... Let me chop this part if it's too much for your podcast. I have vomited on people. I've shot on people. I've urinated on people. I've cut people open um, and like taken out vials of their blood. And like, How do you make yourself throw up? Just... Ah, blah. thank you for asking. <laughs> um, you eat a good amount of food that feels like it's going to be good coming up. And then you... What, what is a good food that's coming up? This is another wonderful thing that you're asking. My best friend actually went to Japan and shot some of their vomit porn. They are the fucking masters of this genre for sure i believe that the masters of the genre um and she did it as a submissive which i think is even cuter so i um oatmeal is okay. great ice cream is good but you can't let it sit in your stomach because it'll curdle but if you do it fast enough it's cold on the way up as well it feels kind of nice Ooh. creamy yep good um i've experimented with a lot of different things when i lived in new york i was a big fan of pizza and hot dogs because i was young and could eat that kind of fucking yes, food that yes, shit yes, is yes. bad burns no good okay spaghetti oh, the tomato sauce maybe correct spaghetti you never want to throw up because it comes out sometimes whole out of your nostril you need to pull it out really not terrible. attractive um and shitting on people also has like a specific diet like what um you have to eat foods that like bulk um, oh like yes. meat um for me it's meat for other people it's fiber okay my body goes the other way you just have to figure out what it is for whatever yourself. it is for you right. and do you enema 
Um, so that's a whole different fetish that I'm into as well. <laughs> um, putting water up my asshole and then squirting it out. When I was like 24, I had this maneuver where I put my leg a certain way and like pull my cheek and the water would actually spray and I was like a fountain. It was okay. fucking amazing. Um, but what I meant is like, do you enema in order to shit on people or at this point you can just shit on command? Um, not anymore. I shouldn't even say on command. Not at my fucking age. But when I was young and spry in my fucking 20s, every single day I smoked and smoked mm. so every day i would get up smoke a cigarette and drink coffee and every day i would shit at the same time every day at 12 noon so you schedule your Correct. your scat dudes Correct. for you just, i just you have to come at this time if you want to eat my poop oh they eat it it's better if they eat it what do you mean well if they play with it and they jerk off with you, you have to smell it but if they eat it and they swallow right. it, the smell goes away. I mean, it's just logical. I just remembered this thing this dominatrix told me when I was working at the dungeon and she was like, it's the shitting isn't the problem. It's the fact that it's the the fact that you're in there for an hour. Yeah. After you've and shit. And you deal with poop. It's gross. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's the best case scenario if they eat it. Correct. It's like a dog when you spill food on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> eat, just take care of that for me. Thanks so much. Yeah. I, I love extreme fetish play. It's the straight sex that I'm just like, I don't get on. You're bored. No, it's not that. I'm just like, don't touch me. I don't understand. It doesn't do anything for me. I don't get it. But like extreme stuff for me has always kind of worked better. What's your idea of like being romantic? Um, like everyone else's idea, like my partner and I, um, like go on dates and hold hands and kiss and like and watch I, a movie together and we watch movies and i love him and we rescued a dog together recently like oh we're very like so normal. normal it's just not sexually I'm right not wow so it's really just sex yeah it's really but just. Sex. i feel so stupid asking all these because it's like duh that's i think that some dominatrixes know? are 24 7 dominatrixes and i i did there was a while that i lived 24 7 mm-hmm. when i had a, a dungeon um certainly when i lived in a big flat that functioned as a dungeon. I was 24 seven. Cause that was your literal home. That was my literal home. Right. Um, but now I, I realize that for me, I'd rather have close emotional relationships and then just get really weird in bed. Is I your house like designed for like crazy um, sex? Yes. For example, like I've been to Nina Hartley's house. Okay. It's not quite like that. Okay. But my bed is weighted for suspension. <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> I mean, I have to have it and stuff. There's right. a lot of sex toys in my house. Like I also, the bedroom is designed for sex. Yes. I also have a big studio that I shoot porn in. And I have a private dungeon that's like just for sessions. It's like equipped. Mm-hmm. And I have sex in those sometimes. Like mm-hmm, I've passed mm-hmm. relationships where I mostly had sex. <clears throat> because all of my accoutrement was there. Right. And it was just like easier for me to do so. Right. You know, like my OBGYN table here. My fisting fucking cream here. All my stuff, my big dildos, all of it's here. What is fisting cream? Do you use J Lube? Like thicker lube. Yeah, J Lube is good. Yeah. Boy butter is great. Okay. Go Crisco. Anything oh, that's like thicker. Crisco. Crisco. <laughs> I mean, in a pinch, you know? Anything that's thicker. <laughs> that's amazing. Wow. Can we talk about your porn for a sec? Yes. I want to talk about the stuff you've been directing at Evil Angel. Yes, please. So, one thing I was really, I, I think you're definitely known as like this do you consider yourself like a a niche director um i know that i am considered to be but it's also like you you do kind of like 
like for example you did a lot of bbw stuff you did the marshmallow girl movies yes i did a lot of bbw stuff that's i love that you called it that by the way because i you did you call it that because in japan we call them marshmallow girls okay i thought so yes because that guy um that man i forget what his name is who coined marshmallow girls um the um the way that you said uh bbw porn in japan before that was like fat so mm-hmm. it was like not great mm-hmm. um and so i was looking for something that was like coined but not like um trite yeah um and so i ended up with marshmallow girls it's actually i i would say a lot of for example we even said tranny porn until very very recently yeah we did like i'm like i think that's two because we didn't take trans women seriously enough as a porn genre to respect that they had any opinion about what we call them and so mm-hmm. we were just calling them what we wanted to fucking call them when mm-hmm. we finally bothered to ask them what they wanted to be called mm-hmm. they were like don't say these words and we were like oh shit really didn't know didn't know yeah. because we never fucking bothered to ask them um because most trans porn is made without like hey how do you feel about sex right now mm-hmm. like most trans porn um the director says you will be versatile you will be non-versatile you will top you will bottom you will be hard you will not be hard the director decides and i'm like okay that's not the way to go about it the way to go about Mm -hmm. it is to ask the performer how she feels Mm -hmm. are you a top are you a bottom Mm -hmm. are you versatile are you non-versatile do a lot of girls not use their dicks no they don't because they're a girl right do a lot of them love their dicks some of them do um these might be like really ignorant questions, but no, no, but at the fine. same time, it's like someone should ask them. Yeah. No, it's fine. You know? I don't think that there's like, that's an ignorant question. Right. I think you're just asking about like how women function. Right. And all women function differently. All women have different like ideas of sex and sexuality and how their bodies work and how they want to um, express themselves. And those things change also. Mm-hmm. And they're very person dependent. Like some women could feel like they're um, submissive to a person or they're a top to a person like it's so situational that's true too so I, I mean i feel that way too like even especially when working with girls i i find that especially like now that i'm a little bit older like i do feel like i'm i can be a little bit more dominant with certain people mm-hmm. but some i mean like like for you for example i would like never even dream of trying but like i mean I wouldn't, you wouldn't get very <laughs> when girls try with me i'm like that's nice I don't really it's not gonna work I mean I I worked with you once and you had me bent over your lap and you were slapping my ass I feel like like I just fucked you how I would normally fuck yeah we we shot for I think it was triangle films was it it was it was not necessarily a kink company no it was triangle but but that's just like how I have sex yeah it, it wasn't it wasn't even supposed to be necessarily like a power play kind of scene yeah it was just that's where I naturally fell yeah right yeah it worked. I know. Your magic worked on me, too. Yeah. Was- <laughs> <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. We were we were much younger. We were young. Um, so you just time. shot a Chloe K showcase? Yes. Is this her first showcase? Yes. I do showcases for Evil Angel. Um, I shot um, a showcase for Aubrey mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. I shot one for And Shin- Aubrey was Evil Angel's... Contract girl. Right. For years, yeah. And the then, first trans contract girl ever for evil. Correct. Yeah. And then I shot Chanel Santini's um, showcase for evil. I think she might have had another one at another company. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then um, I decided to shoot a Chloe K mm-hmm. um, 
showcase, which was incredible. I feel like I'm a much better filmmaker now than I was years ago. And I'm just... Just um, with experience, you think? With experience, technical ability, um, flow, production flow. Um, Chloe is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, She has this gorgeous natural look that I was really into. Mm -hmm. Um, And just a great fucking fiery personality. Um, she's so down for all like the weird shit that I made her yeah. do. Do you feel like because because you also perform that makes you a better director? Uh, yes. Because it Is seems that rude like to say that. No, 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 not at all. I don't think I so. I just think it. I think I know what it feels like to like be on your knees and get fucked for hours and like how important validation is for people like how I wanted to do a good job like when I was performing and I wanted to hear from the person who was directing me that like they were giving me a direction that that I was in fact fulfilling what they were looking Mm -hmm. for um and I just get this feeling from you like when you talk about your movies or directing any performer you seem to like really care a lot about what they are turned on by and what they like it's so important like you and I don't know that a lot of directors talk about that. that no, much. and I, I think that that is not is to their detriment that they don't concentrate on the performers and like the performers' individual expression because you're gonna get fucking fun stuff. Like the, mm-hmm. my best scenes were for when I was a performer. Were well, I'm still a performer, but years ago when I was just performing, mm-hmm. my best scenes were for directors who gave a fuck about how I had sex mm-hmm. and what my strengths were, and that was like. For them, I'm sure it sold better too, mm-hmm. because you're going to be good at like what you're good at, and you're going to be shitty at what you're shitty at. Totally. So asking you to step outside of your comfort zone isn't necessarily the way to go. But directors love to fucking push us around. They 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 fucking boast about like, oh, I got that performer to do this, and I got yeah, them to do it's so that. Gross. It's very fucking gross, dude. Yeah. Don't fucking do that to us. Like, just do what we like. I asked Chloe to do some really difficult things during mm -hmm. her movie, but they're things that I knew were in her, like, realm of strength. And then she asked me to do, she wants to do double anal, Mm -hmm. which is not easy. No. I don't care who you are. I never want to do it again. You've done it. It's not, it's not fucking easy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it's not easy for the men who are fucking her either. No. You know, because assholes are tight and trying to get shoved two dicks in there is difficult. And not only that, even just the positioning. Yes. It's very uncomfortable for all parties involved. It's very difficult. She did it. She was amazing at it. Mm -hmm. Um, We were there shooting like extra pickup stuff and like extended teases and some outside sequences. And it was just a lot for me to ask of her time. Mm -hmm. Um, but I knew that she really was looking for this movie to be spectacular. I think that's the great thing about showcases, right? Is like I've done a couple and it's, you really do put so many extra hours into a showcase. I think as a performer, yeah. I, I don't know from the director's side, but like At director also. Yeah. They're, we are, they're bigger movies because we want it to be such a good product mm-hmm. and like we more know special. Yeah. And, and I think there's always, when you shoot a showcase, you're with that one director for so long, which so is not long. the case in porn usually. No. Like it's you're on set, someone's set one day, then the next day you're on someone else's set, right? But when you do a showcase, you're shooting one movie with one director for like a couple of weeks. Yep. And that's really special. And like you kind of create this relationship where like you're There's texting all day and night and yep. and you're, you know, it's it's kind of a journey. That's how Aubrey and I got close for sure because mm-hmm. I shot her a bunch of times and then I shot her showcase. I mean, and then I shot her fucking almost every single scene in her fucking evil angel contract, which was so many fucking Aubrey scenes. Mm -hmm. And we just got weirder and weirder and bigger and bigger (laughs) and harder and harder. Like, I think you commented like on the Aubrey Kate plus eight movie Mm -hmm. that we were just like, we're going to do this fucking two fucking nine ways. And it was like, who does that? Greatest title ever, by the way. It was completely fucking insane. (laughs) 
it was two giant fucking nine ways. And then um, TS Life where we went on the road and we mm-hmm. shot like in Denver. And it was just it was just weird and crazy. Mm-hmm. But you do get really close to people doing things like working on mm-hmm. showcases or contracts mm-hmm. in ways that like normally porn directors and performers don't get to do. Yeah, like there's just not even the time to do that, right? No, there's it's- not. And I feel like it's such a rotating like porn is great sometimes because mm-hmm. you go to work and you don't see the same people. So it's mm-hmm. like new and fresh, but it's also sad because you're like, well, I wish I saw this person more often. Mm-hmm. So with showcases and contracts, you kind of do get to make that closer bond with people. Yeah, for sure. I stayed in Aubrey's house. I know her dogs like, right. You know? Yeah. Like you're like real life friends. No. That first fucking showcase movie. <sighs> man. It was rough. <laughs> rough. There were fire ants. Flying oh, in, in Las Vegas, they have flying it's like fire naked ants. and afraid. It was naked and afraid. <laughs> it was definitely like that. the The Chloe one was way easier because now I know like control, mm-hmm. like um, location elements, and just different. And I plan way in advance, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I feel like it was a smoother process. Whereas the Aubrey one was like really difficult. Is is when you when you book male talent for trans scenes? Is it a whole different pool of men? Sometimes. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's starting to cross over more now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so cool. It is. It's very interesting to me because it was so separate and there was so, so much um I would shame. say Christian X was the only person really. Who did both. Who did both. Yeah. Openly. Yes. Very loudly. Yes. Yeah, but there really wasn't a lot of other people who mm-hmm. did both. It just didn't. It wasn't done. It didn't happen. Yeah. So now it's a much there's much more crossover mm-hmm. that happens. It still is very separate. Um, it is, but I, I think it's quickly becoming like small hands did a Aubrey yep. Kate scene. I think it's quickly awesome. becoming. Yes. I think it's awesome. Also, here's the thing. It's never fucking been a separate group of people that did it. It was a separate group of people that did it on camera. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there you go. Like yep. porn people are fucking slutty. We have sex with everybody. Yeah. The, the the idea that those men didn't have sex with trans women or even other men is mm-hmm. just ridiculous. It's ridiculous and like sucks for them too though that they didn't feel that they that they had to hide something. Well, I think right? it fucked a lot of them up. Mm-hmm. For sure. And made them, you know, strange or have like problems with their intimate relationships mm-hmm. to have to hide that kind of thing. I feel like was difficult for them socially. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But I, I guess, yeah, that's... I'm glad we're going in that direction. And I mean, and it's the same thing with like, I remember when I got in, I, one of the things I'm the most embarrassed about in my entire career is that I sold my first interracial scene for a high rate. Like, I'm so ashamed of that. That still happens. It still happens much less so. But like, you know, when I did it, it was just the way the business was. I didn't even question it. I was like, oh, I get paid more the first time I have sex with a black guy on camera. And like, that's so bizarre to me now. Like, it's it's so embarrassing. Calling anything interracial at all is like passe. It, yeah, it's gross. It was always yeah to me. Like when I first made interracial porn for Evil Angel, which I've done quite a lot of. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to put black in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were concerned that it wouldn't sell as well. And I was like, Is that true though? Is that a real thing? Um, I don't I don't think it's a real thing mm-hmm. I don't think it's a real thing yeah I think that people like porn and they're horny and they're just gonna find people who are fucking and they, I think that and it's also like, probably like is it a self-fulfilling prophecy like is it only selling because we keep because we keep 
segregating i guess I think each kind porn, of porn i think that the way that porn is sold has changed so much so fast that it's hard for us to even fucking keep track of and i think the one thing we thought we had a fucking handle on was keywording mm-hmm. and i think it turns out in the end that we don't mm-hmm. have any fucking handle on keywording or how to fucking sell porn sometimes we know and sometimes it ends up fucking working out and sometimes it fucking gets away from us mm-hmm. because porn is like sexuality is a slippery fucking concept mm. and i think like, how do you mean commodifying it is difficult mm-hmm. saying what sells and what doesn't sell is difficult what makes a porn star famous when was the moment that you knew that you were famous and before that like were you not the same person right did you not have the same sexuality did you not have like the same thing to offer and then after you're famous like are you a different person right, is your right, value right. different just because you sell better right like what's the difference of you before and after right what what nothing really we can't put our finger on it. right you can't put your finger on it i mean i think we all look at it when we see someone you know like have success we're like oh yeah they shop for the right people at the right time right i think that's what it comes down to i don't i don't even know i I mean now it's even more confusing because I, i have no fucking i mean take a look at like mia khalifa like she shot like three scenes and she's the most famous porn star in the world I don't know. Is it from that, that one scene? I think I that know. you're more famous than she is. I don't know. Pornhub probably has stats. I mean, she is like still like the number three porn star. I still don't something. think, I don't think it'll last. Like I wanted you for that movie, for the evil angel movie, pure a thousand mm-hmm. years ago. Um, because I knew that you were going to be famous and that was oh, before you were so famous. Nice. Oh, the validation. <laughs> I can sometimes tell by looking at people, whether or not they're going to be famous. What? I'm going to just blame that on witchcraft. So you're like Spiegler. Yeah. <laughs> Spiegler definitely practices witchcraft. That's why he has cats. Um, and you weren't famous at the time. No, but so, you are now. So, I mean, I'm sure like a lot of people don't know this was a hundred years ago, but the first big movie I ever did, I was, mm-hmm. I was strictly doing Asian niche porn. Yeah. Like well, I was, that I was also like was a lot of like the what Asian, Asian girl. women were relegated to at the well, time. Well, true, 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 true. Porn was much more so racialized then than it is now. Absolutely. And even now it still is. But even now it still is. But I did um, a big feature for Dave and Aaron Clark that Aiden, uh, you I was were, production manager. Your production manager. Producer, you were also the art director. director. Yeah. Like you were everything. Um, and, and yeah, and that was the first big movie I ever did. And that was like absolutely the project that like put me on the map. Like a thousand percent. Mm. It was the first big thing I did. It was the first big thing you did for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I mean, what was your value before that? And what's your value after that? Like you right. said, like, is it just the right place at the right time? And like what I, I, I just think it's so hard to commodify like what sells and how porn should be sold that mm-hmm. sometimes people get confused and they're like, well, racialize it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, is that really what we should be doing? Mm-hmm. Or should we just make a fucking good product and market it well? Mm-hmm. I think often like good marketing really means a lot to people mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. rather than racializing things. Right. Well, I, maybe that's the confusion is a lot of times we confuse good marketing for putting big black stepbrother in the title. Mm. <laughs> I Okay. I have shot porn that is extremely racialized mm-hmm. and then I've shot porn that is like like so, so I've shot like like um that one company that everybody knows that shoots like all the different like 
you know, black people and blonde people, Mm -hmm. that company, Mm -hmm. which is not so now, but when I was shooting it more than 10 years ago, extremely racialized, uncomfortably Mm -hmm. so. And then I've shot stuff where we just put um, like black in the title. Mm -hmm. And then I've shot stuff that's just, that has black people in it where you just, nobody says anything about Mm -hmm. it. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I see no difference in fucking sales whether you mention someone's Asian or black or not. Interesting. It doesn't fucking matter. I have a lot of um, like uh, numerical data about sales data. Because that's one thing at Evil Angel that you get is you get all the fucking data, right? We have a really good data program. Yeah. Yeah. I know that the directors, because you, so basically it's a proprietary business model is that you got you own your product and you distribute through evil angel which i think a lot of people don't understand i think you're working for evil angel Mm -hmm. but that's not the case correct right you you're you produce and then you they distribute your shit but they give you all the numbers they give us all the numbers so So i know know. everything yeah yeah interesting which is a good and unique position to be in because mm-hmm. I have more data about um, product and, um, you know, that, that reflects mm-hmm. whether or not it's racialized or what have you mm-hmm. um, than a lot of other directors do. So then, like, we have no excuse. I've always... Uh, people ask... <sighs> porn is... I'm sorry. Like, porn is racist, right? Yeah. Perhaps we in porn are not racist. Um, the system is. Exactly. Exactly. It's not the w- but necessarily the, the way we treat the people, but the way we sell racist, it. Like, right, a right. lot of systems are racist. Right. And and the, But for sure, the way our shit is marketed is racist. Yeah. Like, that is a fact. You have to decide as a director or a producer or someone who's in charge of the marketing of a project to step outside of that. You have to actively decide not to do it. But, like, with the information you just gave us, like, it's like there's no fucking excuse. Because our excuse was always... It's whatever. It's a business. What's so selling people also is... told me never to put a black girl on the cover of a movie. And the first movie that I had that broke like my normal numbers to mm-hmm. like that did like a Vanguard director mm-hmm. numbers um, had a black girl on the cover. And I'm like, I don't have empirical data to support what you're saying. Yeah. I think that you should not tell me how to do my fucking job. Mm-hmm male directors love to tell me how to do my job Older i mean male directors i can't tell love you to tell me what to do and i'm like no thank you <laughs> but that that is the old school way of thinking though i don't know how many times i've been told as an asian performer we can't put you on the cover because people will think it's an asian movie so many times i've been told that it, maybe not so much anymore but when i first got in oh yeah like big, big deal or you couldn't put more than one asian girl in a movie because then it became an asian movie yeah right it, like it's it, and you put five white girls in a movie it's not necessarily a white movie porn is so racist that we don't even have asian male performers because people are so against shooting them that i think mo- if if an asian male comes up he's shot on so hard that he just doesn't even fucking bother because mm-hmm. people are so fucking rude about it when really like what what does it matter mm-hmm. it's fucking but penis. also kenny styles happened yeah but who else besides kenny styles he was killing it for a while he was killing it for a while who mm-hmm. else besides kenny styles no one no one unless it's like a very niche fetish performer right right like same. like um getting kicked in the balls or like you know right stuff like that, that. Guy who I love. yeah um i just p- porn is super fucking racist i think that um we we need to address that mm-hmm. that and it's the individual responsibility of the directors who are coming into power to address that i don't like the system and so i choose not to follow the system with my projects and my movies and that's the power that i have mm-hmm. and the privilege that i have to say i choose not to do that mm-hmm. um and 
you know, more directors need to decide that. And the problem is, is that a lot of porn is controlled by companies. So directors don't need to necessarily get to decide, but then the programming directors need to decide not to. And I think there are a lot of really good programming directors coming into power who don't want to put up with that shit, Mm -hmm. who feel like, let's not be racist. Let's not be sexist. Let's not fucking work in coercive environments where you have to fuck the director for a job. Let's know that even if you like have a problem in the scene, you can say something and we're still going to fucking pay you. Mm-hmm. Like it is our job, it is our job and our position to change the landscape of porn. But I do really think that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I see it it's happening. happening. Yeah. For I sure. see it happening. Which is nice because I feel like when I worked in porn, it was fun, but only with certain directors. Mm-hmm. And most directors sucked ass. Mm-hmm. And so you just like kind of hoped the director you liked had called you. Yeah. And then you did like thank God that they did because directors just shot the same fucking people over because there were less people doing porn mm-hmm. over and over and over again. You just worked for, like for the same director. Like I just worked for fucking Jules Jordan and Mike uh, or um, Evil Angel like over and over and over and over and mm-hmm. over again. Which thank God because Mike John's like my favorite pro- fucking person to work for. Mm-hmm. And he's tired of me over and over and over. And I was like. Oh, yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because otherwise you ended up in some crappy ass set. Yeah. With crap Does people. it feel good to be that director? Um, it's interesting because um on set I like check in with people and see if they're cold or if they want a juice or fucking mm-hmm. water or a snack and I'm like, Hey, how are you feeling? How's the intensity of the scene? You want us to turn it up, you want us to turn it down? And they're like, I can't believe you're asking me all of yeah. this. And I'm like, it makes me sad. Yeah. That not more people more directors don't ask like hey how's that how is the blowjob for you like if you take a break how's that how's it for you so far mm-hmm. turn it up turn it down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like your knee okay yeah. like you want a fucking pad like whatever is going on mm-hmm. and i shoot some of the hardest kind of porn there is to shoot mm-hmm. like intense anal stretching gonzo porn bdsm porn like really difficult porn but i still like to ask people how they're feeling about it and Mm -hmm. i just i think that all porn directors should do that and i know a lot of porn directors are like i don't care i don't want to fucking hear it i'm like why though i wonder also if it helps that you came from a kink background and i don't mean kink like the genre i mean kink.com yeah because kink although they are known for doing the some of the hardest shit like they're super nice they're probably the most responsible company i've ever seen yes from having a checklist from the time you arrive i agree with you every single person is like wearing gloves like they're just so respectful of your boundaries and like you say you don't do something it really doesn't come up again no it doesn't you know whereas a normal mainstream company will push it might ask you over and over Mm -hmm. are you sure you don't want to put this speculum in your asshole right (laughs) right (laughs) but um but i I don't know i think like I'm, i'm really happy that there are directors like you. I have no idea how I ended up being a mainstream porn director. <laughs> it definitely was not like part of my life goals. <laughs> I'm like, I don't Where really... did you think you'd be now? Oh, fuck. If so, I asked okay. you like 10 years ago. So I am 40 and it's 2020. Mm-hmm. Big round numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely didn't think it was sex work. Really? No. You mean when you were already in sex work? Even then, I just never thought I would be here this long. Like, Dana and I used to joke that the appropriate age to quit was 36. What Why? That? I don't know. We just decided as an arbitrary number. <laughs> 36 seemed like a good fucking age. Like, oh, well, who's going to want to see us fuck after 36? And she's, like, more popular than ever. And I fucking, like 
have a giant porn studio and can shoot a C200 and know way too much about editing. It's like fucked up. But again, like the landscape has changed, right? Like maybe 10 years ago, it was The like, landscape has changed. You can get way older in like porn mil- now. First of all, MILFs are a thing now. MILFs that are wasn't the case. fucking thing now. Yeah. You can get way older in porn now. For instance, I hire Dana all the time. I pay her more now than I ever did before. <laughs> and she sells great. Yeah. And I can afford to fucking pay it to her because I'm like, well, look at how well this scene sold. Why shouldn't I give her that money? If I'm going to get this money back, why shouldn't I give her more money? Right. But that's how I make porn also. I'm like, if somebody's going to charge more money, if they sell super well, I'm just going to give it to them if I get the money back. Mm-hmm. Because I'm like, but if somebody also is like, I want this much money and their scene doesn't sell well for me, I'm like, I understand that's how much you want and that's awesome. You don't sell well with my brand. Perhaps with this other brand that looks nothing mm-hmm. like what I shoot, you sell super awesome. Mm-hmm. But for me, it doesn't end up working. But I would never ask someone to lower their rate. I think that's so gross when people do that. People need to understand how fucking gross that is. Performers, we hate it. We hate it. Don't just say, I can't afford you. Um, do you want to just go get coffee sometime at AVN? <laughs> you know can i buy you a champagne at avn or a, p- a slice of pizza instead and we'll just fucking be friends and hang out or it's whatever like you want to smoke weed with a me price on themselves just fucking respect it yeah don't haggle don't haggle it's gross it's gross we hate it and I, you know what like i i love I, I i don't know like what your you and dana's professional relationship is other than that she works for you all the fucking time yeah but like that's so cool to hear that like you're not like, oh, let me get the homie right. No, and we're super close homies. I I know. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I will say earlier today, I told Dana that I was interviewing you yeah. uh, later this evening. Yeah. And, was um, she like, can I come to you? Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. But not only that, she, um, <laughs> she just started talking about you. And I'm not fucking kidding you. She started crying. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, I ran into Dana by accident. <laughs> And she was real uh, intoxicated at the end of the night. And I had didn't, I wasn't drinking that night because I have chronic health problems and sometimes I just can't drink. And so New Year's Eve, I didn't drink and I don't get, I'm so old. I'm like, I did it already. But Dana was intoxicated. And at the end of the night, she was like, I just love you so much and was crying. I'm like, I love you too. Like, how nice of you to express that to me. That's wonderful. Well, she was dead sober today. Yeah. And just so like, we, were, we were at brunch. That's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, Dana and I are really fucking close. Yeah. We have been for a long time. Yeah. Also. We're really You're close. You're like the OG Spiegler girls. Oh, my God. I guess yeah. we are. Yeah. That's really, I don't know. I guess we're 40. It was bound to happen at some point. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'd be a 40-year-old Spiegler girl. He, They didn't have those. <laughs> yeah. Are you guys the first ones? Dana Vespoli is older than us. And Kylie Ireland was on the site yes. for a while. They are old, but they like hadn't been there. They they didn't age into it. Right. They didn't start off as young Spiegler girls. We started off as young Spiegler girls. <laughs> and we just don't know how to fucking move on. Now I don't know if I could go back. Like I worked in computer programming before. Mm-hmm. That's like what I went to school for. And I just don't even think I could conceptualize working in a fucking regular office or regular job i just don't want to no i like this sounds dramatic but i would literally rather die (laughs) maybe i'll cut that out but like it's crazy to me like i it's just crazy the the thought of it i'm just not cut out for it thought that i'm like couldn't say fuck and wouldn't see anyone's penis that alone you wouldn't you would not make it also sometimes like 
I come out of the bathroom and I like want a baby wipe. So I just walk over to the fucking car with my pants around my ankles in front of everyone and just wipe my ass, throw it in the garbage and pull my pants. And I'm like, all right, who's ready for stills? You know, like, let's go. Also just needing a baby wipe everywhere you go. Like the world does not have baby wipes everywhere. Okay. So my best friend who used to do porn, who definitely doesn't want me to mention her name, who moved on to another job, um, lives in New York now. She moved back there and she was complaining about how she just got used to wiping with a baby wipe because yeah. in porn you just do that yeah so for christmas i bought her this like poop care package that's like all these wipes and fucking you know just <laughs> like, like a baby wipe warmer yeah a little porn niceties <laughs> and i put it in a tom of Finland like a bag and an enema perhaps. and i sent it to her <laughs> once i bought her a bidet toilet like <laughs> have one of those you just get so used to it and porn it's just like a different way of doing it it's true maybe you know, i could work in a hospital mm. that's like the same thing as porn i feel like yeah yeah kind of gross like an enema nurse <laughs> oh my god you're so creepy <laughs> <laughs> on that note um so yeah uh just how long well, have we been talking we've actually for? been at this for an hour and a half oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> But I'm not surprised. I, I'm not surprised either. But yeah, um, so people look out for, what is the Chloe K showcase called? Um, it is called Chloe K Trans Superstar. Mm-hmm. And it's available right now on evilangel.com and of course on Evil Angel uh, Video DVD. So anywhere that you get DVDs, you can go in and purchase it. You can also buy it on the .com. Um, if you want to hear more about it or see more about it, a lot of the previews are available on my social media and my Twitter, which is at Aiden star. And then my Instagram is at Aiden star. If people want like a safer work version of social media. Me. And I'll post those, um, when I promote these as well. Thanks. So, and then if they want to see my, um, my other evil angel porn movies, if you go on to evilangel.com and click on my director profile, all of my titles come up. Awesome. It's a lot of trans porn. Yes. <laughs> Hope you like that. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye.